and we are live welcome to the second episode of authentic conversations in english we are blessed with the opportunity to observe how fluent english speakers converse with one another so this live stream is going to be completely unedited and completely unfiltered so you'll get real insight into how native english speakers of different backgrounds converse with one another so a couple of weeks ago on my Instagram, you guys were requesting that I cover the topic of music. You guys want to learn some vocabulary around the subject, and you want to see how that vocabulary was applied to realistic conversations. So I figured I'd get some guests who are more than qualified to elaborate on the subject. So without further ado, for our first guest, Funky DL, where did you grow up? What do you do in the music industry, and why do you do it? So I grew up in um, East London in the United Kingdom. I was born in a place called Plastow and moved around East London quite a lot and lived in several places and um, was educated in East London. I've just been here my whole life. Um, I got started in the music industry um, professionally from about 95, 96, but from about 1990 is when I really just started to play keyboards and hone the skills of rapping and so on and so forth and i think the reason why i got into music is because i just felt such a strong connection with all of the rap music that i was hearing at the time i was into groups like a tribe called quest and de la soul and the hip-hop that had a real musical touch to it you know the jazz influence and the rare grooves and so on and so forth and, and the color that came from that music really resonated with me as such that I just felt like it just sounded like magic. And I, and I said, I, I want to make that magic. And, and that's kind of how I got into the game. Okay, cool. And uh, do you speak any other languages or do you just speak English? Well, I don't speak fluently in any other language. I'm currently learning Portuguese on um, Brazilian Portuguese on only on Duolingo. So um, I'm on my 264 day streak. And <laughs> I know how to say just a few phrases, you know. Um, so, um, you know, I'm trying to pick it up, but it's difficult at times because there's nuances, as is with every language, you know, and you kind of got to learn the rules. So, um, so just a little bit of Portuguese. I, knew, I know a few phrases in Japanese. I spent a lot of time in, in Japan, but just, just words, really, you know, the odd word. But don't speak fluently in any other language except for English. Okay. Shout out to all the uh, Portuguese people in my audience. Then. Okay, cool. So for our next guest, Kendall Conrad. So where did you grow up? What do you do in the music industry and why do you do it? So I grew up in Pottstown, Pennsylvania in the United States. And unfortunately, I only know English. I'm not, <laughs> I took five years of Spanish um, and I can say some phrases and things that maybe if I were lost might be helpful, but basically I can just ask what time it is and where is the restroom. So the, the most useful phrases, I think. Um, <laughs> so I am a pop country singer songwriter. So that means that I sing the songs that I write. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm in the singer songwriter genre which I've recently learned are like two different things. So I am pop country and I do what I do. Interestingly enough, in order for me to communicate with other people. So I'm very introverted and I'm not social and music 
for me has always been like talking. So I actually use my music to speak, if that makes any sense. So that's really why I, I do what I do so I can share my stories and myself with other people. Okay, sweet. And last but not least, Kazaya. I think I pronounced that correctly this time. Yes. So <laughs> where did you grow up? What do you do in the music industry and why do you do it? Um, I grew up in, near Bawtry, which is near Doncaster, which is near Sheffield, for those that don't know the UK. Um, so from the United Kingdom in a tiny little farm village um, outside of Doncaster. I grew up listening to music, listening to reggae. My parents were heavily into reggae music. Um, my dad, being a white biker man, my, who was my stepdad, who brought me up and loved reggae. And then my biological father, the Jamaican, had no interest in reggae music at all. <laughs> but um, it, it, it really pushed myself and my brother into music. And he's our lead guitarist of the band. Um, so we grew up interested in music but never played together and we sort of muddled through and we did a, the first ever show we did was a duck race i don't know if you have them in america <laughs> but um we have ducks a duck yeah duck race <laughs> right like it's like the animal yeah but they're just plastic ducks and you oh okay them. yeah we you do know, yes you do, you do yes yeah. yes you i know exactly them. what you're talking about yeah <laughs> I don't know if Funky DL does them in London, but we do out in the sticks in Yorkshire. <laughs> and the first show we did, we hosted it at our, my mum's got a little farm thing, like a small holding, and we, we held it for the local village. And we did a show on the front of the stables, and that was the first time I ever played music with my brother, and went from there, really. Sorry if I've gone on a tangent. And what do I do currently? I play in a six-piece band called Kazire and the Kings. We play near and far we're recording and we're currently recording an, our first album okay sweet <laughs> and do you know any other languages or do you just speak Language english is, um i'd like to say i do but i'm so probably in kendall's corner here um I <laughs> a, bit of spanish, a little bit of french I, when i'm on holiday i try and i did a little spanish class on holiday last time and i swore i would learn um yeah, I want to, and it's something on my like the bucket list. But I'm, I wouldn't say I'm competent in. I, I think I'm quite competent in English. Yeah, I'm a lawyer, cool. so quite good at legal. Yeah, as well and as English. Things. English is the uh, it's the most useful. That's that's why we're all here. That's why uh, oh, no, I have no. an audience because uh, mm. it's it's probably the most powerful language in the world for now, yeah. until yeah. Mandarin Chinese uh, creeps in, maybe. But yeah. we'll see. We don't like to blow our own trumpet, though, do we? It's English film. Yeah. <laughs> right. The original English. <laughs> okay. So before I jump into the first question here, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, do us a favor and just like the video. It'll help the YouTube algorithm spread the message to other people who are trying to learn English as well. Okay. So for the first question, and we'll start with Kazaya and then work our way back around here. So... The first two segments of questions are just going to be to get to know you guys a little bit better. So, Kazai, did any other musician inspire your style of music? Or would you say your style of music was more inspired by other people or experiences that didn't directly correlate with another musician? 
think well, you may have answered it in that question. Um, I, I don't like to talk on behalf of the whole band, but on behalf of myself, I was I loved country music growing up. I used to do a little bit of line dancing. My nanny used to take me line dancing, <laughs> um, and so country. I start when I first started with the band or with an acoustic guitarist. Um, we did a bit of country music, and that's what I was naturally wrote. Um, then moved into reggae because that's the kind of sound I wanted. So I blended the two together. Um, I sang a little, little in, a little in church. From because my nana, my nana used to say to me, "You've gone singing rock and roll songs, and you used to sing like Charlotte Church." I don't know if you know who Charlotte Church is. I don't. No, she was a sort of. Well, she sang like like choir music, or I think you'd say not gospel, but is that right, Funky Dale? What do you say? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, she wasn't very happy when I started singing rock and roll song. <laughs> uh, but all the all the great artists I've been inspired by, but not that I wanted to be them, but I listened to their voices and the intonation patterns and the sound and the, the effects they could do naturally with their voices. So Aretha, Tina Turner, then to I'm trying to think on top of off the top of my head. I don't know Florence and the Machine or different different artists. Janis Joplin. Um, I love Nina Simone and what she could do. Was just inspiring. But from Dusty Springfield to Aretha Franklin to Roy Orbison, one of the greatest male vocalists that's ever lived. Just yeah, really spent time listening and hearing out for those like you said, Funky Deal, the nuances of different artists. And that was inspiring to us um, and to, especially to myself. Okay. Mm. I said, what about you, Kendall? Would you say that the inspiration for your style of music came from um, other musicians or maybe things that didn't necessarily have to do with music? Um, I would say that part of it is my personality and part of it is from other musicians. So like I said before, I was very, I still am. I'm introverted. I'm antisocial. I would choose to read a book or watch a movie or something in my room on a Friday night or like go out to dinner alone and try a new restaurant and not have to talk to anybody. I'm very like okay with being by myself. And so it's funny that my music that I choose to write and put out and the way that I want it produced is very in your face and it's very aggressive and it's so unlike how I actually am as a person. So it is a way for me to like explore a different side of myself with music. And that part is fun because I get to be on stage and, and live that. And then I get to literally take it off and then go home and be myself again. So that's fun. Um, but then that being said, like I also grew up listening to pop punk when I was in high school, like All Time Low and Paramore and all of those boys like girls, all those pop punk bands. And um, that's kind of influenced my country sound, that, that pop punk alt rock stuff. And then... I started listening to Whitney Houston and Mariah and Janet Jackson and Diana Ross. And like, I would say they were like uh, big power ballad vocalist divas, I guess. We, are they in that like 90s divas 
category, um, I really, really gravitated towards those women. So it's a combination of, of being inspired by very powerful women in music at the time. Um, Taylor Swift, Shania Twain, and that's when I got into country. Faith Hill, they were like so cool. So it's a, it's a combo of outside influences from women who were killing it when I was little and I looked up to them, kind of combining that with, I want to be strong and powerful and cool and fun and personal non-artist me is, does not feel that way at all. So it really is um, it, like exploring another side of, of my personality. So it's, it's a combo of both. Okay, that makes sense. And then uh, DL, would you say it came mostly from other musicians or would you say it um, came from external factors or experiences? I think for me, mostly other musicians, um, as I was saying earlier, listening to um, a lot of the Afrocentric hip hop in the early nineties, you know, De La Soul, the Tribe Called Quest, you know, it was the use of, I guess, jazz music and and so i started to take a, a deeper interest into jazz and, and even a deeper interest into jazz than the artists that those guys were sampling and including in their music so i started to discover artists at the age of about <clears throat> 16 17 i was listening to <clears throat> count basie and i was listening to oscar peterson and bill evans and you know these really really um great Duke Ellington and even a lot of the female um, vocalists, like really there was something about listening to Carmen McRae and Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald and all of these guys that the music was just, it was really magical. And what I really liked about jazz for me, for all the genres that I had experienced, I felt like it was the most diverse because with jazz music, you know, you can have a whole album with just someone like Sonny Rollins playing the trumpet solo you know, for the whole album. Um, and then you can have, um, or oh, sorry, the saxophone solo for the whole album. And then you can have um, a whole big band orchestra, you know, for, for a jazz record. And then obviously like the time signatures of songs, you got songs like Take Five, which is, you know, um, a different time signature from the standard four, four, and then you got the three fours. And, and it was just, it was just this whole thing, you know, like I said, big bands or solo artists, duos, quartets, quintets, you know, uh, trios. And it was, it just seemed to be all of these different formulas, vocal stuff, instrumental stuff. It didn't seem to matter when it came to jazz music. So when I was listening to a lot of it and just listening to how a lot of it would coincide with hip hop and with groups like Gangstar and Guru doing the whole Jazz and Mataz project and so on and so forth back in the, in the nineties, there just seemed to be this really cohesive mesh with hip hop and jazz. And so musically, a lot of my inspiration came from, from jazz music and including jazz music in the beats that I was making. I just loved the kind of lament for the melancholy or the chilled or laid back sound um, and the chord changes and the chord structures. It was just so beautiful for me. Um, to this day, I still make music in that vein. Um, whereas lyrically, my inspiration came from a lot of it did come from other artists and musicians. I was really big on the, the, the message of positivity in music. You know, groups like A Tribe Called Quest for me, as a 13 year old kid, you know, listening to an album like Midnight Marauders, their third album, and hearing Q-Tip say things like, 
I am recognizing that the voice inside my head is urging me to be myself and never follow someone else because opinions are like voices. We all have a different kind. You know, you're 13 years old and you're like, wow, you know, there's there's something in that, you know. Um, and there were so many positive messages in hip hop that I was exposed to through listening to the more Afrocentric stuff that that's kind of the message that I wanted to kind of bring forth um, in my music. And so I took a lot of inspiration from the artists I was listening to. But then of course, you know, your own life and the things going on um, to kind of personalize what you were doing. And so it, it, for the lyrics, it was more of a mixture. For the music, it's a lot of the, the Afrocentric hip hop and jazz music that was the inspiration. Okay. Sweden, yeah, I could, I could definitely attest to that. And as a follow-up question, we're going to start with you, DL, and work our way back around to Kaziah here. This is more of a personal question here. Could you ever see yourself performing music or actually creating music that is well outside of your domain or well outside of your genre of music? So for an example, instead of, um, could you ever see yourself releasing a track that wasn't really in the domain of hip hop. It was in the domain of, let's say, um, some, a stark contrast, like country or something like that. Could you ever see yourself dabbling in another genre? Or would you say you would just stay in your own domain? Well, to be honest with you, I have already dabbled in other genres and released music. So last year I released a dance music, electronic dance music album called Neon. Um, which came out last summer. And actually a few weeks ago, I released a, a deluxe version of that. Um, so that's available on all the major streaming platforms. Um, and Neon was me saying that, you know, I really like a lot, of, a lot of house music and a lot of dance music, but I've never really given it a go. And it, it leans on a lot of the formulas I've taken from hip hop and stuff being very musical and quite chill and quite um, just colorful. It's a very colorful album in terms of what it's doing musically. It's a completely instrumental album. Um, and I did that deliberately. So, you know, and, so, and there's a lot of artists who who do make that kind of transition, even from dance to hip hop or hip hop to dance. So when you look at people like Masters at Work and, you know, Kenny Dope and those guys, or someone like DJ Spinner, um, or even someone like DJ Jazzy Jeff, you know. Um, but in terms of a bigger leap, I, I would actually like to think the answer would be yes, you know, because I do listen to... Um, other genres of music. I don't know if it would be as far as country. I'd probably have to hook up with Kendall and you know teach me a few things about like, uh, Old Town Road. Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, but the thing is, I see myself as a musician, not just as a hip hop musician. You know, I've I've song written for R and B acts, and you know, I've dabbled in even even bits and pieces of music that I don't even know what genre to call it because it just sounds kind of out there, you know? So yeah, I think for as long as I've been in the, in the industry and, and for the love that I have for music and many genres of music, I wouldn't limit myself to say I would only do hip hop. And, you know, maybe this transition into dance music will evolve into something again. Okay. Uh, Kendall, could you imagine ever dabbling in another genre other than a uh, country or pop? So definitely 100% for sure, but it would have to be commercial. Whatever the genre would be, it would have to be like, like something that could be heard on the radio or like, so it, it would have to be like when Evanescence was putting out music, like that kind of rock. Like it, it, I don't, 
I don't love like indie where it's like very cerebral, like wandering songs and the lyrics read like very obscure poetry. And I don't understand what the song is about. And I think it's because I, I go to music to either like feel better or for a connection or something like that. And it's hard for me to connect with a song if I can't understand what the words are or like what the artist is trying to say. And I know a lot of people like indie music because it's like, you kind of can pick it apart and dissect it. And like, I just, I just want to listen to a song and, and feel good. <laughs> understand i just say what the artist is trying to tell me so um and ironically i'm not big into very cerebral poetry either so definitely i would dabble in in very far-reaching genres from pop country like i would hop on a hip-hop track i would hop on a rock track i would do a reggae that like i would try all the things but it would have to have a commercial element to it or a hook or something like that. I don't think I could do like a indie folk. I don't see myself doing that, but definitely like dabbling in other genres for sure. Okay. Makes sense. And Kaziah, what about you? Hello. Um, well, like I've touched on briefly earlier, we've, as a band, because there's six of us, uh, so there's guitars, bass, drums, and I've got two sax players. Um, we've had keys up and played with trombone and um, trumpet in the past as well but the lineup um, that we've been with for a while so I'm not a dictator I always say this to the band because obviously I, I, I'm like not the face of the band but you know I, I write the lyrics a lot of the time and then they put the music to it or vice versa um, but I've said to them I'm not a dictator I want everyone's influence I want my I, it's it's not my band it's our band so we do dabble into different areas not always when we when we release music and we're going to be releasing a lot more but when we're live we did a show the other night and we not because we're not people have always sort of questioned it and said oh do you not think you should stick to one genre but when you've got a live band and you're performing shows i think it's nice to have you know for us to be able to show our different blends of music. So we've got a fusion of rock, reggae, funk, soul, I'd say, I like the core sounds. <laughs> okay. um, whether we're doing a reggae song, it might have a bit of funk in there. Um, and maybe that's because my brother's quite, um, he plays a lot of lead guitar, but he's a very strong rhythm guitarist as well. Um, you know, with that Nile Rogers kind of style funkiness that he can bring to the table. So we, we do what we feel, what feels good, what sounds good. I love doing a big ballad and I, I complain that I don't get to do another of those because we were where you can hear the vocals and I can show more. Um, and then the band want to do the rocky, heavy stuff and I, we want to rock out and that's how my voice ends up like this. And that's uh, from the show we did the other night. Sort of, um, we were sort of showcasing more than what we did about a two hour show which was quite a long long time really uh two 50 minute sets so we picked and chose our favorites of the different genres so yeah i'd i'd say i'd always try try something new but it has to feel authentic has to feel real 
raw and live. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go off of, I'm going to yeah. go off of a limb here and I'm going <laughs> to assume that all three of you guys know how to play more than one instrument. So mm, no. say no, no, I, I, you I play see. the guitar. You kind of know how to play the bass though. Right. Kendall. <laughs> I keep forget to unmute myself. So like I can, like I have a mandolin, which is the chord structure is completely different, but it's a stringed instrument. So yeah, if I like can sit and like I memorize the chord charts, then like I can, I've played mandolin at shows, but it's only chords. Like, I don't know if I could solo or do like a lead okay. melody on a mandolin. I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase. I'm going to restructure this question. <laughs> We'll start with Kazaa, we'll work our way back to Dia. I'm going to just restructure this question. Okay, so hypothetically, if you just magically were able to play one instrument and play it really well, mm -hmm. you can just choose whatever instrument you're just going to be great at. Yeah. Which one would you choose? The piano. Why? The piano. piano. Mm -hmm. Because I'd, like I've obviously we've been cherry-picked brilliant pet players that we've, we've worked with for a long time that's in the band at the moment um we haven't got a keys player and it's not because of that reason but to be able to sit i don't play an instrument well i can play the tiniest of guitar tiny bits of keys um my instrument is my voice and that's and my voice and my lyrics um and i probably do having my brother at my side he's been able to do the rhythm for me um, I sort of do a I'll sing the trumpet or sing the sax or sing the bass or tell the bass this is I'm up with my voice you know um, I've written bass lines with my voice before for the band but I don't necessarily play and I picked up a piano a little but not competently to be able to go and perform myself just and write myself fluently would be lovely so yeah the, the keys for me what about you, Kendall? So I'm. I would also say piano. I agree with you, and I feel mm. like there's there's a lot that you can do with piano, and not only that, you can sit at a piano and have a bass line, a treble line. You can have like an entire. It's right there. Like you don't really need. You can do that with guitar too, but like the piano, you can have it all going because of the two hands at once. Like you have like all of the notes. So. I would also say piano closely followed by um, violin, which is my favorite instrument, just because it's, I think it's really emotive. Like every time I hear a violin, it can be played like a fiddle. I've heard the violin played where it sounds like a human wailing. It's like, it's so, like that's such a, it's a cool instrument. So definitely piano first, because you literally don't need anything else. You could just sit at a piano, but, um, just based on just the the tone of a violin is amazing. So closely followed by violin. I think you're right with the with the piano, I suppose, um, Funky DL with production, you could produce everything at home, you know, on a MIDI keyboard and produce mm. you know, produce all stuff. That must be amazing. You know, I, I'm trying to learn a little bit of production as well. That would be an instrument I'd like to learn. to be produce my own music and not have to rely on other people all the time mm. um or you know i bet funky girl will to tell you more about that I, it's funny because the piano is the instrument that i would have chosen as well and, and much for the same reasons 
that Kendall mm -hmm. mentioned about the violin. Because for me, the piano is probably the most emotive instrument that, that I find, like in, you know, what it conveys, the sound of it, what it conveys across, uh, you know, a track. For me, I think it just brings out the most emotion um, of all the instruments. And that's not to knock guitarists and so on and so forth, but there's something about the notes and the way it can be played and the chords and the weight of the, of the notes and, and, you know, just how high and, and how low you can go. And it, for me, it's just, it's the most, I guess, um, what's the word? Cinematics. It's the most cinematic instrument for me, the piano. And so if I could play, I mean, I play keys a little bit. And as Kaziah was saying, in terms of programming, you know, music, you can you kind of use a keyboard or machine with pads and so on and trigger stuff but in terms of playing an instrument Avery it, it would be it would be the piano of, of, of all instruments I think it's the one that for me um, does the most out of all the instruments no that uh, makes a ton of sense definitely makes a ton of sense and for the next question um, okay let's get a little bit deeper into it now I asked you a question that's a little bit more profound here so we'll start with DL and work our way around you so do you believe in your opinion that auto-tune and elaborate editing to music is enhancing music or do you think that is destroying music? I think that's a difficult question because it's a question for me that is quite subjective. You know, um, I think that there are arguments for both um that's why i'm asking you <laughs> yeah i think it's the, i think there's arguments for both but i think my opinion is that there are arguments for both i kind of see fundamentally for me music is to me the the freedom of expression it's the freedom of your creativity whatever you define your creativity as as you should have the freedom to express that and it's almost like, you know, when we talk about freedom of speech, you could do something wrong with it, but I don't think it should be taken away from you. I think you should have the freedom to creatively express yourself however you so desire, desire so long as you're harming no one, you know. And so when it comes to things like auto-tune, I kind of feel like, well, who am I to say that a person shouldn't because in my view that they do, they do it badly. However, at the same time, you know, our ears, when I'm talking about being subjective, our ears sometimes are the best judges for, um, you know, what we hear. And when you hear something that sounds either bad or sounds just repetitive or sounds like it, the market is saturated with it, it can be a turn off, you know. Um, but it's interesting because for me, I've got this thing where I, I, I try not to blame the artists. I almost try to blame the marketplace sometimes. I don't know if that's the right. It's almost like, you know, in the elections, when Donald Trump won the election, people were outraged. He's, you know, he's crazy. He's this, he's that. Whatever your view of him. But it's like his one vote didn't put him <laughs> in the presidency. It was a multitude of people who put him there. So I kind of feel like that, that the marketplace kind of dictates in a lot of ways what people are into or what's popular or what's popping and so on and so forth. Um, so it sounds like I'm sitting on the fence, but I think fundamentally I would have to go with the answer that a person should be able to freely and creatively express themselves how they want to and therefore 
I'll go with it. It's enhancing. What about you, Kendall? Do you agree, disagree? I don't I don't think it's this is a weird answer to that question, but I don't think it does either. I think it's in a whole other thing. I look at auto-tune almost like Photoshop for music. And so, you know, sometimes these companies and these things release uh, the raw images of magazines, of the unphotoshopped images. And you're like, oh, it's not polished. It's not whatever. Give me the photoshopped image back because it's clean and neat and perfect. And so um, kind of like what Funky DL was saying, I think it depends on like our culture is now used to it kind of. And then like almost when you hear a raw unedited vocal of like things that are slightly flat or slightly pitchy or sharp or whatever, it like, it sounds weird to our ears because at least in commercial music, everything is so finely tuned that it almost sounds strange when you hear a raw organic thing that's not edited. So it's like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's destroyed or, heard it it's almost like its own thing it's become its own like kind of like like you were saying like a, a freedom of expression of of us not only choosing to do that but then our listeners wanting that and not, not wanting the raw the vocal or the raw like anything out of pitch or everything perfectly um in rhythm or things like that so i just think we're now used to it I don't know. I don't know if that's even an answer to your question. But. Oh, I think that makes sense. Sounds logical. And, uh, yeah. Cause, cause, uh, what do you think? Um, so I, I guess I've sort of on the back of um, Funky DL and Kendall. Uh, sorry, my voice is, I need auto-tuning. <laughs> I've lost my voice a little, if you've not noticed during this uh, podcast. Um, but no, I and wouldn't say I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I, I believe that everyone should be able to have freedom of expression, music, as long as you're not, like you say, hurting anyone or killing anyone or doing anything, you know, that's um, yeah, gonna hurt or damage any anyone, anything. But and I think it is a big but. I also think auto tuning can go too far you know i think if you go to the one extreme and really rank it like rev it up i don't know a bit of share believe you can get a, you can get a digitalized voice which sounds amazing which is like an effect almost which i i i've got thumbs up to that you know because it's it's that been overworked for that purpose we can clearly hear that it's being auto-tuned to the hills and back <laughs> so it sounds almost like an effect whereas people that just auto tune everything just to like like you say um photoshop is like smoothing the edges and we we all use a bit of reverb delay with eq things in the production that's to to enhance the sound but i think when it's just been i don't know you see some people on some of the reality show or what are they called like entertainment shows you know go on and sing and and then you hear the track afterwards and it's like the, it's not comparative. Um, I am quite for live music and stand by live music and love love the rawness of, you know, the old tape that from the 50s, 60s, Etta James, she's a massive influence for me. When you hear those tapes and you hear that, those, that rasp and she used to get told to pipe down and bring it down and make it smoother. Um, I'm still for that personally. So... 
yeah, if it's for a hit that's going to make it sound like Britney, go for it. But not on everything, do you know. You've got to have. Otherwise, what's point? What's the point in having the quirky quirks in your voice and the little, the things that sound wrong sometimes sound more right than they could if you'd ever auto-tune them. I. That's why I feel. Okay, so there should be a balance, more or less. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're going to okay. do it, like you know, if you want to auto-tune me mm. for, <laughs> if you, you know, people will do anything for a hit single, I guess. Right. To, to follow up on that, and we'll start with you, Kazai, and work our way around here. I'm yeah. really interested to see your guys' perspectives on this question here. What do you foresee for the future of music? Um, do you think it's going to be a bunch of kids doing crazy things on TikTok to get attention? Do you think it's going to, people are still going to, you know, appreciate the thoughtfulness that goes into the art of creating music? Um, what do you foresee? Do you think it'll be more or less the same as it is? as it is now, or do you think it's going to be a, a really sharp uh, change <laughs> with the with the invention of social media, you know, because yeah. it's not really that old social no, media. It's, it's only been around for maybe like a little over a decade. So yeah, well, if you look at the amount of technology in the last 30 years, it's like the biggest yeah. influx in technology that history's ever seen, isn't it? Um, and with the introduction of the internet, I don't know when that was. And then since then, social media. But um, I think it's already changing and it already has been streaming, 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 TikToking, you know, stories. It's everything's instant. Everyone wants 15 seconds rather than three minutes. <laughs> so it's, you know, everything's getting shortened. And, but again, a big but. Um, I would say that there are people that want want real real country they want real hip-hop they want they're in those in the underground clubs they they go out and they want those vibes they don't want you know the 15 second video on tiktok there are yeah, people who pay and go because out and i'd say like today mm -hmm. at least in my observation today i think there's a little bit of both I yeah, think yeah there's yeah. a big population that likes what you're saying yeah. and there's another population that just wants to hear the corniest, the craziest beat they can ever hear. Yeah, the cheesiest. Trap drums. They don't really need lyrics. They don't really care. They just want to have fun. So yeah, it's, I think from like, I'm doing a dance track at the moment with um, a DJ, and which I'm really excited about, and I'm so excited to hear what he does because I'm sending my vocals over to this guy, um, not knowing he's called Roy Hoy. And not knowing what what he's going to do with it, you know, <laughs> I could come out, I could come out sounding like Cher, believe, you know. <laughs> but hopefully, I'll have a little bit of creative control. But um, where it's going to go, who knows? But I think there'll always be people that fight for live music, for real music, or not real music. I mean, more than a a quick video, you know, yeah, they want to hear a full song and records. And I think there will be a big surge of the social media scene. And then there'll be a massive pushback of people wanting some raw, real entertainment, you know, whether that is a Beyonce or, I don't know, the Killers or something, you know, a, a band or a performer. I think people will, you know, since COVID and the pandemic, I think people are raring to go and raring to get out there. And that's why I'm feeling that buzz coming back to the venues okay. personally. Do you agree, Kendall? I think it depends on like the definition of like each artist's definition of success 
and what that means to them because um, like I'm near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and there are artists who sell out huge, huge venues in Philly who I've never heard of. They're selling out whatever, 3,000 3, room like venue and uh, like they're selling out 3,000 tickets and I've never heard of them ever. Uh, but apparently there's 3,000 people who live in Philly who do hear of them. And not only that, they're on a nationwide tour and they're going to do it tomorrow in Cincinnati or whatever. Um, but on the flip side, like I, like I've said before, I like commercial music. So stuff that's in movies, stuff that I hear in actual commercials on TV, stuff that I can hear on the radio. Um, so that has always been my goal. And I read a uh, stat that said 70% of TikTok users who hear a song that they like on TikTok will stream it on Spotify, like 70%. And so that's leading to direct sales for the artist. And then that's why so many artists are getting signed off of TikTok because it's actually leading to people listening to the music. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at with it, where I think it's probably, I don't want to say getting worse, because um, that puts a negative spin on like yeah, TikTok no, and stuff. There's, there's no wrong answer. It's just what you perceive for the future. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's, it's going to be a lot more of that, especially if you're chasing that like hit song, like you want, you want to be Old Town Road. You want you want your song played everywhere all summer, <laughs> annoyingly, which is like what I've always wanted. I want a huge smash. Um, I want it played everywhere. I want it to be in a Target commercial. Like I want my song played everywhere where people are like, I don't want to hear that Kendall Conrad song anymore. And so it seems like social media and particularly, particularly TikTok is like where that's starting or originating um i know that deathbed song was huge too a couple of years ago that was from tiktok um so many songs are from tiktok so i don't know i feel like that's gonna keep happening until there's a new platform maybe that someone else another social media thing that that someone creates and maybe then that will be the new thing but for right now it seems like tiktok is like on fire yeah definitely at the moment for sure then, I think uh, it was Sam, Sam Ryder, you know, which was our the British Eurovi Eurovision um, entry, and he he came out of TikTok out of nowhere, and just people hearing his voice. Um, yeah, you you're probably correct. Mm. Yeah, TikTok has <laughs> a strong algorithm because uh, mm. I think that it it pushes your content to much more people than YouTube. Facebook and Instagram, yeah. it, it even pushes it to people who aren't even necessarily looking for it. Mm -hmm. And their algorithm <laughs> also is very good at detecting um, everything you do on your phone. So mm. they get a really good idea of what you're mm -hmm. interested in or what you've been Kendall's Googling, been what you're trying young, to do. Younger and more in the know on the TikTok front. <laughs> well, and I don't love that. Like I actually hate creating video content for TikTok. Mm -hmm. Like I hate it. I think it's stupid. I feel stupid uploading a lot of these like videos and stuff, but I just keep putting my own music behind them, hoping that one of them suddenly pops off. And then if the stats are true and 70% of people, if I can get 2 million views on a video with my song in it, 70% of them are going to seek my song out and listen to it. So 
that's what I I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, you should you should definitely use TikTok as a, as a tool instead of a yeah. toy. Like yeah. At yeah. DL, what do you think? What do you foresee for the future? Music? That's probably the most <clears throat> it's probably the most difficult question you've asked so far because I think number one, and it's it's interesting that Kazai, you mentioned technology and, and how technology has transitioned over the last 30 years. I think the music industry has been a bad predictor about what's coming next um, over the years. And I think we've seen that with record labels, major record labels, you know, getting a panic about the loss of revenue from, from uh, physical sales. We've seen things like, you know, the mini disc come along and disappear just as fast. Um, iPods didn't stick around that long. And even when it came to social media, there was one point when MySpace was just the biggest thing going. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it's just out of here. And so for me, when I look at the future, I honestly say, I don't even know <laughs> because it's just that unpredictable. And I think it has been um, as time has gone by. Um, in terms of artists, I think that um, it's funny, I, I, you know, I, I, as an artist, I try to keep my finger on the pulse in terms of what's going on. I, I read a statistic, something along the lines of at, at 2018, at the end of 2018, there were 3 million um, content uploaders onto Spotify. And by the time we, we, we look at the end of 2020, um, it's like 5 million. And, you know, um, now it's kind of like around 8 million. And Daniel Ek, the, the, the co-founder of Spotify, claims that by 2025, it could be as many as 50 million people uploading content to, to that platform. And it's kind of like, well, wow. Um, and I think, and, and, it, and it's, it's bittersweet because it's kind of like, it's a good thing that people have easier access than it was back in the day to pursue their dreams. But it also means that kids in high school just messing around can just say, let's put our music on Spotify. And, uh, you know, you've got all of these tracks just, just coming up, you know, on, on the server. And I think that the music industry is an interesting one because it's one of the few industries where the platforms, where the, where the people who are considered to be the greats um, can share the, platform, the same platform with absolutely you know, nobody newcomers at the same time. It's like, you know, think about if you wanted to be a professional footballer, you couldn't just rock up to a stadium and just be like, I want to play, you know, on the same platform. And, you know, if you was a chef, you couldn't just rock up to the top restaurants, I want to cook, you know. But with music, it's like you could just turn up on the same platforms and say, here I am. And like I said, it's, it's a good thing in many ways, but they say there's about 70,000 tracks that are being uploaded to Spotify per day. Um, and apparently, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but the, but the statistics say that the majority of stuff that's uploaded doesn't get listened to. Um, it's that much music. And so in terms of the future of, of the music industry, I do see maybe more saturation as time goes by. Um, but but one thing that that keeps me very hopeful about the music industry is that people, some people, will always want quality, and that's with anything. It's quality food, quality clothing, quality entertainment. You know, quality is something that people don't just throw away completely and say we'll just have anything, please. There's always a section or a subsection of society who just want that really substantive and great. Um, music and content and, and I think that's something 
that um, gives me hope about the future of music. But in terms of what it's going to look like, Avery, I do not know. Well, yeah, a couple of things. So you're talking about quality. Yeah, I agree with you that generally speaking, they do want quality. It's just funny because I found this new genre of rap that was coming up where the quality is really bad, actually. But it's like, that's like part of the art or that's like part of the catch kind of like. Is that lo-fi? It's not lo-fi. Well, lo-fi, that's another thing, but it's not necessarily lo-fi. It's like, um, I can't think of an example here, but it's some rappers who just distort their voice really heavy. It's sort of like a mix of like screamo rock or metal and rap. Mm. And it's sort of like purposely produced as a low quality, but it's just part of like the the art form. But I'd say that's rather like an exception to the rule. It's probably not like the general rule. I think most people do go for quality. I think a lot of those things, sorry, I think a lot of those things will fade away over time. Yeah. You know. Probably. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because that's very relevant to my next question. It's um, which aspect of music do you think is more important to you? Would you say it's the lyrics or the instrumental? Because I know a lot of people where like Little Pump, or some rappers or s- someone who they won't really say much in the song. It's just a really hard beat, trap drums, a ton of crazy effects. If you're drunk at the club, you're going to have fun. You're going to dance to it. It's just, it's basically an instrumental with some mumbles or some noises over it. So in your opinion, which aspect of music is more important to you, the lyrics or the instrumental? For me, that's a really tough one, but I have an answer for you and and it's going to be the, the instrumental. And the reason being is because I think that for me, music is vibration it's vibes you know and the music you know you can put on a piece of music and as soon as that beat drops and you hear it i think you can feel something quicker from that vibration than you can maybe from from the lyrics of a of a song and that that's that isn't to say that the lyrics or the the voice that you're hearing isn't powerful enough to really touch you but i think the music does it more impactfully probably quicker um, and it, and so there, there are many songs, and in fact, there are many rappers who I really enjoy the music, but I don't necessarily know what they're saying and what they're talking about. I think one of my favorite hip hop groups of all time um, is Pete Rock and CL Smooth. And CL Smooth was a really funny rapper because CL Smooth, you could understand every single word he said, but it was like he was talking in a cold. You know, it was kind of like, I don't know what, when you say all of these words together, what the sentences mean. You know, I understand each word, but I don't really know what these sentences mean. But Pete Rock's beats were so electrifying and so um, hypnotic and just that it didn't matter what CL Smooth was talking about. It just rocked, you know. And so I think music has always done that for me first. It's always been about what is that? What's, what's the chords? What's the beat saying? What's, how is the pulse of it, the intensity of it? And then the lyrics and the message is um, almost a secondary consideration without reducing it to nothing. You know, it's, it's, it's just the music has always really touched me first. Okay. What do you think, Kendall? I think it depends on my mood. So, like, if I'm at a party, I don't want to hear a very lyrical, introspective, like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear watermelon sugar or like, I want to hear something fun. Like I, I don't want to have to sit 
and listen to what this person is saying. But like when I feel down and I feel like lonely or in my feels or whatever, like I want to put on Carol King or I want to put on something that's very emotional lyrically and like something that I can get into. And that just like is a mood thing. So sometimes I want a great driving beat and I, that I can feel or, and it doesn't even have to be like dance music or just, I just want to listen to um, like a melody or something like that. And then sometimes I really just want to sit alone and be meditative, and listen to like um, all too well, Taylor Swift or like something very sappy. Um, but that just is like a mood. So it depends on my mood. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It depends on the situation, but I'm going to challenge you. If you had to pick one, you just had to say which one's more important, the lyrics or the instrumental by and large? By and large, um, lyric. Lyrics. Yeah, 100% lyric. I'm also an English or am, was. I was an English major in college Okay. and um, love books, love to read. So words and word play and being clever is super important to me as an artist and um like even like as a uh, music listening consumer like a consumer of music um if i hear a really weird lyric that i've never heard before i'm like whoa who is that who said that who like how did yeah so um so lyric edges out music for me like a little bit tiny bit okay and because i Hi. Um, I thought first when you, I thought at first when you first said it, and I started hearing Funky Dale speak, and I thought, oh, you think I would also automatically say lyric, being a singer who writes lyrics, <laughs> I would think that of myself. But then I also went with Kendall's sort of, sort of um, thought processes on the music. It depends on the vibe. If I'm out clubbing or if I'm at sat chilling um there you want everything but that i think that would be me talking as like a listener um just person that likes to listen to music whatever mood you're in you want to listen to that kind of vibe if you you want to listen to hip hop you want to listen to dance you want to listen to reggae you want to listen to uh, country that you know so most people i know like a number of genres when they're not just, you know, just love screamo or just love rock and roll or what have you. Um, music, I adore when I, I love, I like leaving the stage and letting the band just play without me. So you can hear, hear them in their element and without me jumping all over the place and, you know, um, let them have the limelight and let them really hear, like sock it to them, you know, sock it to that audience, listen to this. Um, but then, Equally, when I'm listening to a vocal, like I mentioned Roy Orbison earlier, when you hear the little trills that he does with his voice, the little runs, you know, when, when you I've sat and gone back to two minutes, 26 seconds, um, just to listen to that little quiver over and over and over, the way he's, the way, the word, like Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen, um, real wordsmiths, you know, like Kendall said, I've spent quite a lot of time in education as well to try and like with my legal background because that's I like being wordy. I'm a wordy person and um, like to get that across, but I'd like to leave room for the for the music as well because that's what gets you 
what moves gets you moving and the lyrics go to your heart i think okay <laughs> speaking of lyrics and you know, we'll start with you and work around um speaking of lyrics in your opinion do you believe that profanity in music um, particularly maybe some heavy metal music some hip-hop music profanity in music do you think that it should be censored or do you think that anything should go no. Um, I think when I've heard, I don't, you know, some, I, I may like the, the some of the adult music I would call it, you know, I don't know, is it like Cardi B and they have some really quite vulgar things, you know, or not just necessarily swear words or profanities, but more vulgar as in, you know, sexual, like sexually explicit language. And I think there is a place for certain music. I think some things, when there's children involved and the, the kids are there on TikTok and they can they know how to access things before you do. You know, they're on their fingers are on the buzzer before anyone else. They know how to get into things. Um, so we should be protecting people um, who are, you know, the, the children of society. They do need some censorship. I think it would be a little wild if everyone could listen to everything. But as an adult. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, I think we got a lot more progressive as a society. Like I remember back in, I forget if it was the 80s or 90s, there's a hip hop artist in Florida who the government was literally saying, you cannot say that in rap. Like, yeah. You cannot swear, you cannot say these sexual things. And they literally implemented laws and put things in place oh. to stop and censor them from actually even saying yeah. it. But now they ended up, um, I think there was like a big lawsuit and they ended up, uh, solving that and now you can basically say whatever you want in music yeah. like anything goes they protected yeah. the amendments of free speech i'm not I'm, I'm canadian i'm not american so i'm not quite sure how that works but right. but um but yeah do you think do you think the government should like be able to censor music because well, I, I agree with what you're saying there's a time and a place for really explicit content but um, no i think to what think degree do you think it should be censored or not censored i think you know, like you have, I don't know, that the cutoff point on TV where you can start having swear words on Coronation yeah. Street or something. I don't know if it's on the nine o'clock episode, um, but not before the watershed. Is it called? I'm not sure. Is that the right? Um, so I think, I think people should be able to have swear, and if that's the way they want to get, you know, their point across and the the frustration or whatever the message is, the political message or the I don't know, the sexual message even, what we were talking about, then fine, as long as it's, again, not hurting people. You know, there's things that you could say in songs that would hurt people emotionally, you know. Or For sure. Be, um, Definitely. Quite abusive. But if it's sort of wordplay that fits with it, then as long as it, there's not people that have, you know, are more delicate or children. Right. As long as it's not hurting people, it's not yeah. causing. Yeah, like before, you know, you mentioned the laws that they put in place to stop songs. Um, I think Chrissy Hines' music was even banned, one of her songs. Maybe I'm making that up. But um, or was it Annie Lennox? Or one of the, you know, songs that we would expect to hear were banned. I can't remember who it was, forgive me. Um <laughs> But no, people shouldn't. Music shouldn't be banned if it was, um, if it slightly wasn't for your taste. I don't think that's right. No. Kendall, do you agree? Disagree? I feel like censorship. It's such a hard topic because 
like cursing is one thing, but if you're gonna sing a song about, I don't know, like burning down another person's house, for instance, or like, and you're gonna name this person, and like that's not cool. Like that's, I don't know. Like, but it goes back to that, like harming, physically harming people, or like calls to like riot, and like I don't know how I feel about that because that's dangerous. But at the same time, it is freedom of speech. Um, like I live in America, it's freedom to say whatever you want to say, as long as you're not hurting, physically harming anybody. But, um, it's such a hard line to like not cross. Like, I don't know. Cursing, I don't feel like is a big deal if you know for a fact you're not reaching like small ears or like small children. Um, I don't think that's cool. If, if little kids could hear you you know, spew vulgarities and things like that. I don't think that's should, that's great. But again, who who dictates that? Is that the parents of the kids, like allowing them onto certain platforms or allowing them into certain venues to see certain shows that they know that kid shouldn't be there? So uh, again, I don't know if it's if it's the uh, responsibility of the artist or if it's the responsibility of the parents at that point. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a, a defined, <laughs> defined answer for this one. Um, as far as censorship, it's like a, it's like where, how far do you go? How far do you not go? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd say there should be a balance, but, um, it's, it's super gray. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very gray. What about you, DL? You um, think? I think it kind of should be kind of how it is right now, you know. It's interesting because I think it was the politician Al Gore's wife, Tipper Gore, who campaigned for the parental advisory logo to be put on albums back in the day. But I kind of backfired because it made a lot of the music with those logos appeal to young people, you know, people going into stores looking for albums with that logo on it. Um, there's something about profanity that helps to convey the emotion or the intensity of a message. Um, and so it has its uses, but as I agree with you guys, there's, there's a time and a place for it. And um, I think some people overuse it and um, kind of over egg the pudding when it comes to it. But I think that the way things are now is probably for me, the best representation of how it can be. And if I may, Avery, I have a question for you. I just want to hijack for mm -hmm. one second. And, and, and actually for Kaziah and Kendall, when we were talking earlier about uh, music or the vocal or the lyrics and so on and so forth. I, just, I had a thought and the thought was if, if your favorite streaming platform was the only streaming platform you had access to and they said, listen, for the next five years, you can only have access to either all the acapellas of every song or all the instrumentals of every song, one or the other, which would you choose? Instrumentals. Without hesitation, instrumentals, yeah. What about Kazai and Kendall? Mm -hmm. Instrumentals, yeah, because I'd have to sing over them. I'd, you know, <laughs> that's, when I'm recording on my phone, I, I, I play someone else's song. Not that I'm stealing no. the song, just to, just for a melody, you know, if I'm not with the band. Um, and then I sing to it, so yeah. My, my brother's really into, you know, the old reggae, where it's just minutes and minutes of music. Mm. And he's like, listen to this, just shut, shut up for a minute, because I talk a lot, just be quiet and listen to this. Do you know, and it can take you away and to a place that's different. So yeah, you're right. That's what sure, that's there's there's more versatility. You could talk over it, 
me and my buddies we like to freestyle over music sometimes it's just uh i don't know but like i will always love you whitney houston like that beginning part before the the acoustic drops like there are some exceptions of really great acapella moments (laughs) um maybe not i'm trying to think of anything that was like the entire song but um but yeah i mean i would probably go instrumental also you need that yeah that melody would be really dull yeah melodies well it would almost be like almost like slam poetry or something without the music behind it that's what makes it a song right because it's like i just look at so many uh, things with music with specifically lyric as poetry which is its own genre um and so really the song is created like funky dia was kind of saying when we talked about this the question before like it's the music that creates the emotion the song um you really need those those chords to to instill like a feeling Mm -hmm. in you and not that poetry alone can't do that because it does but then it's it's not a song (laughs) i don't know it's like that's what makes us artists as musicians um, I think is that the, the musicality of it. Unless you're Sam Cooke and then he can sing all day without any music mm-hmm. and I'd be, I'd be True. swooning away. <laughs> He's got one of those voices on it, like Whitney, do you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, okay, we'll start with UDL and go around. For the last segment of questions here, we're, we're going to be not as profound now. It's going to be a, li- a little fun, you know? Some fun questions here. Okay, so let's talk about dancing. So DL, which genre of music do you like to dance to the most? And then which genre of music could you absolutely just never see yourself dancing to? Wow. Um, I think for me, it's always it has always been hip hop and R&B, you know, um, you know, being a, a teenager in the 90s and coming up to, you know, SWV and Mary J. Blige and all these guys were kind of relatively new artists and being in the clubs and having these records come on would really compel me to just shake a leg. Um, so it was always hip hop and R&B for me. In terms of um, what I couldn't dance to. See, that's that question, because there's, like I've I've always wanted to maybe try something like maybe salsa or you know that that kind of stuff. I, I I can't do it, but it's that's something that maybe I want to do. I'm trying to think if there's any genre of music that I wouldn't want to try and dance to. Um, and I, I don't know. That's a tough one because even my, with my love for jazz, you know, jazz music from from the waltz and then you know you've got things like the foxtrot and if you're listening to even certain types of jazz and going into classical and other other kind of subgenres you've got the tango and all of this kind of stuff and they all seem interesting to me so you know yeah salsa and and maybe like the waltz and the fox those are things i can't do but they're not necessarily things that i wouldn't want to do okay um, so that that's that's a valid answer too if you say you're open-minded to everything yeah so yeah so that's, yeah, how you feel. That's, that's pretty much it yeah okay what about you kendall what's your favorite and what could you never see yourself <laughs> um i'm a notoriously bad dancer but i will dance um my favorite this is a weird choice but i really like disco like i really like donna summer 
Um, I like Earth, Wind, and Fire type stuff. I I like Diana Ross when she did like The Boss and like all of those songs. I think that also call, kind of falls under disco music. Like you can't not dance to when the beat drops in Last Dance after she does that little almost like acapella beginning. Like, and you're like waiting for it and there's that moment of hesitation. And then it like, it's just, it's such great, feel good music and it's so relatable to all ages all like different kinds of people it's just disco is amazing so that's my favorite genre to dance to I, I i think i said this earlier i don't love like an indie folk like i said i keep bringing this up i don't know what happened to me why i can't connect with that kind of music but i just i don't see myself bopping or or dancing to any kind of like Bob Dylan type stuff. <laughs> okay, yeah, I feel you. What about you, Kazaya? Um, and with 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 everyone, and the last two, um, I love a bit of hip hop and you know, um, R and B and the reggae or dancehall reggae. And you know, wine, wine your, wine your body, wine your waist, and I love it. You know, when I'm out, and then I like, I can dance to funk and disco. I'm, I'm a bit of everything. I love, and I, I'm, I'll try and move to whatever is on there. But oh, there was one, one band, and I can't remember the name. I was playing some, a place in Manchester, um, and I'll try and dance for anything. I don't care. Do you know? I'm, I'll go big, I'll go small, I can, I know, I'll groove, I'll try whatever, whatever. But it was a, like an electronic screamo band and I've never witnessed something like this before. And it was quite out there, you know, not to say it wasn't good, it wasn't my my bag, it wasn't for me, but I was still there, you know, head bobbing along. But I thought, whoa, I don't even know what I would do to dance to this, do you know? I'm not quite sure what I would do. But, you know, when you're in, even if you've been at a rave and you see people just loving life and freedom of dance, I don't know, um, what wouldn't I dance to? I don't, uh, yeah, maybe that electronic screamo, because I would be like jarred. I'd be like trying to ro like be a robot, but then mosh at the same time and it wouldn't work. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Got you. Can, can I revise mine and say I, would, I wouldn't like to try ballet? I have a few more questions for you guys, but before I do that, I just want to check up on you guys. I, I want to respect your time. So I'm wondering if you guys still have like 15 more minutes to uh, I'm good. the last few questions. You're good on time? I'm good. Yes, I've probably got about 10 minutes and then I've got to 10 minutes. Okay, if, if you got to go, just interrupt. Just let us know. And, Is that okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. Thank you. Just want to respect your time okay so then starting with you because i'm working way back around i have a hypothetical question for you guys here okay mm -hmm. so let's say you guys got a gig right huge gig outdoor venue there's like a hundred thousand people tons of phones and cameras everywhere televised there's going to be millions of people watching it but the person warming up before you you're the main act is someone who it's a band that covers the genre that you couldn't see yourself dancing to. Mm -hmm. So electro electric screamo, Bob Dylan. <laughs> I didn't know it was a, I didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> how much would someone have to pay you 
to get on stage and dance and to dance. that music before your act. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like you're just bobbing your head, breaking no, your neck. I mean, like, you're like catching the Holy Ghost. Like you're dancing like it's your last day on earth. Um, How much does no. someone have to pay you to do that? Or could they not I'd pay you paid. Well, no, I don't think I'd have to be paid. I think I'll, I'm up for having fun and exploring new things. We we once we played a, a gig that was at um, like a reggae and world music festival. Um, I think it was at One Love Festival. Um, and they had like a gong bath. Have you heard of a gong bath? Where you lay and they've got gongs next to you and they like make vibrations. And, you know, it's like oh. maybe a little bit hippie-ish perhaps, I don't know. And the band went off and they went, went off for the day, came back, said, oh, we've had a gong bath today. And it's like, you're not dancing, but you sort of have to go into this zone and things. So, nah, I'll do it for free. <laughs> but don't pitch me out. And it will be memed on the internet. I'm just going to add yeah, it. I'm going to throw that we're, in there too. <laughs> okay, Kendall, would you do it? So I am headlining, so it's my show, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. There's no amount of money you could pay me. <laughs> no. Now, if I'm booking the show... If I'm booking the show and I'm not headlining, it's somebody else's brand and it's their artist thing, then yeah, I'd book. I'd book whatever if I thought they sounded good. But if it's my show, no. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. You had to me, dance to ballet. Uh, so I think, let me specify that. <laughs> well, without having to wear a tutu. Um, and you I get think, me. <laughs> I think the thing for me is is um, generally that knowing my personality, it probably would be no. But I think with all things, it depends on what mood you're in at the time. You know, um, a lot of a lot of times we can be compelled to do something because we feel brave enough or we feel like it's no big deal. And then other times we can be really self conscious. Um, you know, and I think for for me, thinking about that scenario. I think the biggest thing that would come to mind, and when you talk about memes and being online and all that, I think one of the most valuable things I've I, I, I've had in the career is, or I have, is my reputation. And so I would be thinking about what I feel that would do to my reputation, and if I felt it would do something to impair my reputation, then there's no amount of money that would get me on that stage dancing to ballet before I'm going to perform. I'm really sorry. That's a fair answer. Just want to test the waters, you know. <laughs> now, okay, so for the last set of questions here, so at Arc English, we are a language learning platform. So this these couple questions are gonna have to do with language here. So DL, do you like music in other languages? Do you regularly listen to music in other languages, or do you just stick with English music, would you say? Um, no, I, I listen to music in other languages. Not a lot of it, like I said, because I because I come from like a jazz background. A lot of that falls into um, bossa nova, you know. And so there's a number of artists that I come across quite frequently, um, you know. And even down to you see some of the, the Latin music, like this India. I listen to quite a lot. Um, and she's got a really powerful voice, and then. You know, whether it's Antonio, Carlos Jobim, and you know all of these kind of it's more Latin-based music. So it's, you know, some Spanish stuff, a few Portuguese bits and pieces that come come into it. Um, 
and in, in terms of the more contemporary sound, like I spent a lot of time out in Japan, you know, performing, touring, and then meeting Japanese artists. And so I've become quite familiar or had become quite familiar some time ago when I was out there more with Japanese acts doing their thing and, and would listen. And um, so, yeah, you, you wouldn't understand what was being said because uh, I didn't speak the language, but you could still hear the flow of somebody you know, or the, the emotion of them or how dope the beat was. Um, and that was enough to give you an indicator about how, how you felt about it. And so, yeah, I'm not heavy on music in other languages, but I've dabbled, you know, in that. And that is funny because even as, a, as an English speaking artist, when I've been out in Japan, I've had promoters say to me, DL, that, you know, you have quite a good fan base out in Japan. But they're telling me that about 90% of my fans don't even know what I'm saying. They have no idea what I'm saying, but they just like, you know, the sound of of the music. And, and, and that's enough for them to turn up at the shows and to go nuts, you know, when I'm on stage. And I'm like, oh, they don't even know what I'm saying. But then it's funny because some of the songs that you do, you'd be so surprised when they just start singing along to certain parts. And so music is something that I think has really helped um, transcend language and languages across the world. And, and you know, you could, you could, I could be in France and I could not speak French very well and I could meet a Frenchman who doesn't speak English very well. But if we're both fans of Mob Deep, music has just brought us together in, in a way that maybe many other things couldn't, you know. And so... Yeah, um, but to directly answer your question, dabbled in bits of, of, of music with other languages. And Kazai, I know you don't have too much time left, so uh, why don't you just go ahead and give your answer uh, before candles? Thank you. I'm sorry to have to depart. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but um, I've not sang in other languages except at home, <laughs> you know, and I've been listening to music or I've been listening to artists who do sing in other languages and sometimes it's stunning, isn't it? I think I remember watching um, Julie Felix singing in Spanish um, and was it Celine Dion that does a lot of French, a lot of French music and oh, they do sound more sensual, don't they? And, and, and smooth sometimes in different languages. I'd, I'd love to be able to, um, who knows in the future, but it's more been been something I've I've dabbled with at home. I, I listen to artists with different, you know, from different languages. But um, like uh, like Funky DL said previously, I can get that. You know, if people hear the tone of your voice and the intonation, the, the rhythm, they'd come and just still be as happy just to be. Like you said about the instrumental um, over lyric question sometimes it's just the pattern of the the sound that makes you happy or makes you feel like you listen to the song so when i've listened to um listen to music from different languages where i've not known what what it's saying it sounds nice or it took you know tickles the little thing inside your ear that you know makes it sound nice so um i, I don't want to leave on that note but <laughs> Uh, I shall. I'm talking cool. gibberish now, I think. And, and uh, before you leave, um, where can they find you on social media? Where can you find us? Um, on all, all of the platforms, our music's been released on all uh, social platforms. We have a new album coming out soon. We are Kazaya and the Kings on Instagram, Facebook, if you want to get in contact with us. Um, 
our website link is on there, uh, which has a link to all the music. It's been a pleasure to meet all of you today. And I don't know if I've done um, the Yorkshire or the United Kingdom very much justice with this voice. So I'll bow out now and lovely to meet you all. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Thanks Bye. for coming. And Kendall, uh, do you regularly listen to music in other languages? Not regularly, but I do like Blackpink and I like like when J-Lo does some um, like Spanglish or like Gloria Estefan. Um, I feel like I said her last name correctly. And like I probably lean more towards a Spanish speaking song than any other language if I'm going to do that just because I feel like there's more of it in the mainstream. Like you have Bad Bunny, Cardi B sings some stuff in Spanish. There's like more options for it. Um, but no, not regularly. Okay. And as a follow-up question, have you or would you ever have the confidence to release a track in another language? And you don't have a year to practice the language. You have to do it in one week. Do you think you'd ever have the confidence to release a track in a foreign language? Yeah. Yeah. You'd have one week to practice it. You might pronounce all the words wrong, but. I would do you Spanish. Would? You would do That's it? what. Yeah. 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 I've sung songs in Spanish. Oh, yeah. Before. Yeah. I've covered none of my own songs that I've written, obviously. Um, it's hard enough to write a song in English. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I've performed some cover songs in Spanish. So okay. Okay. I and like I. I took enough of Spanish to like know how to pronounce things. And I think I could go on Google translate and that could help me. So, but what any if, other language I wouldn't do, okay, I would I, only do I, Spanish. I was going to say like a language you're not familiar with, or really, no. like Arabic or something. No, <laughs> no. Okay. No, I would do Spanish. <laughs> right. DL, would you ever have the confidence to, uh, or have you already released any tracks in another language? No, I never have. Um, and it's something I thought about because I was traveling to Japan so much in the early and mid 2000s. I always thought about really learning the language and I've been critiqued by um, some of my um, colleagues out there. Like, yeah, how many times have you been to Japan? And I'm like 13, 14, and, like, and you don't speak anything. <laughs> it's like, I'm only here for like a week when I come, you know. Um, but no, I haven't. Um, and to answer your question, I think a week, week to do a track i mean i'd probably give it a shot for the fun of it you know um but i i probably know i'm gonna do a really bad job you know especially if it's a language that i've never dabbled in whatsoever so um but yeah for the fun of it maybe i'll give it a shot the thing is you'd be surprised at how 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 good you can be especially if it's something fixed that just learning and repeating and mimicking something you know so if you kind of had to learn certain words, but you know, then you're just really mimicking that for a song. That's very different from having to speak fluently in a conversation. Do you and think you'd improvise? Well, do you think you'd be able to do it in one week's time? I think I could, but don't ask me to try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got you. Okay, and then for the very, very last question, and this is gonna be a difficult question for the both of you. Um, I ask this to everyone who comes on the show and everyone who will come on the show. In terms of the value that you guys contribute to the music industry, because you're both contributing to the music industry, 
what would you rank yourself on a scale of one to 10 and you could not use seven? We'll start with DL. The value. The value that you're contributing to the music industry. I would rank myself an eight. And I would say that because I feel like for the for the years that I've been here and the expertise that I've garnered over those years and for the heart and soul that I put into what I do um, and the reasons why I do what I do is up there, but there's always room for me to improve and to do more. Um, I think that I've always tried to put the consumer of what I do first. Um, you know, and it's for me, it's simple things like, you know, I have a, I have, for example, um, and this is not even, I know when you say value, it's not just monetary, but even things like my online store, most of the vinyl I ship, the postal service makes more money from that than I do. But for me, it's important that the fans get that music. Um, you know, Things like Bandcamp, I have a lot of music on Bandcamp. I've never changed my prices since I joined there in 2008 or whatever year it was. It just, it's never been about that. It's been about the essence of really giving people something that they can connect with. And I think that that's what music was for me when I first engaged with it. It was just this magical thing that made me feel a way that, that nothing else could make me feel. And I've devoted the last 25 years since my first album came out in 97 to, to doing that with every release, to try to give people um, something of value and something that can enhance their lives or their listening experience, at least when it comes to music. And so I give myself an eight because there's always room to do more. Okay, that's fair. Kendall. So I'm going to sound like a real narcissist, <laughs> but I give myself a 10. Is okay. 10 the highest? I yeah, give myself a 10. My, my only question for you is, what would you like to improve on? Um, if you're a 10, I mean, it's kind of contradicts well, that. But what would well, you like to improve on? Well, we're talking value, value that I contribute, right? Sure. I I feel like everything I do, I couldn't do any more or any better than I'm doing it like right now. I'm not talking about like if musically I grow or if I learn things, but I don't see as far as self-improvement, like something that I see in myself that I need improvement on. I don't like I give a hundred thousand percent to my music like every day and it's the way that I want it and it's my brand and I love it, and I literally couldn't give any more to it than I am right now. But that's not saying, yeah, but that's not saying like musically or, um, you know, career-wise or financially or personally that I'm not going to grow. But I'm saying like as a, as a value, the value of what I'm doing is like, it's so high. Like I couldn't operate, I couldn't do any more <laughs> Right. It. You're saying I, 10 because you're doing as much as you possibly can. And yes. You're trying to deliver as much. Okay. Yeah. With what I know mm. of myself right right now, without any kind of outside advice, like my own, if that makes any sense, my own opinion of my own personal value. Yep. yep. I see I see where you're yeah. coming from. 
as yeah. coming from. Okay, well, that's all the time we have. So, um, DL, where can they find you on social media? So, um, I'm on Instagram as uh, Funky DL Hip Hop. Uh, the same on Twitter, Funky DL Hip Hop. F U N K Y D L H I P H O P. Um, and then Funky DL Official on Facebook. I'm on all the streaming platforms. I have countless albums, instrumental albums, vocal albums on places like Spotify and Apple Music. And you can also find my music on funkydl.bandcamp.com. And actually, if you go to any of those sites, you should, sites, you should be able to connect to the other social media sites from them. My, spot, my Spotify, for example, has all my social media handles on there. Um, so yeah, bandcamp.com, funkydl.bandcamp.com is a lot of music on there and, um, or just Google me and I'll, I'm bound to come up, you know, funky DL, you see a whole lot of stuff come up. It's not that hard to get hold of me. Okay. And Kendall, what about you? Ditto everything that funky DL just said, except with my <laughs> name. So literally on all of the things, all of the apps, um, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Instagram, I'm on all of the everything. Uh, Kendall with one L, K E N D A L. That's super important, not two L's, just the one. Um, Conrad with a C. And hopefully, also, if you Google me, something, <laughs> something comes up that you can find me on. I hope it's not that difficult. Okay, solid. And their links will also be in the description below. And if you're on YouTube, feel free to like the videos, subscribe to our channel, and follow us on all of our different social media platforms for ARC English. We try to make sure that you learn something new every single day. And uh, yeah, until next time. Thanks for having me. <laughs>